Welcome to another episode of Cosmic Echo, a Taylor podcast. This podcast explores a strange and bizarre phenomenon that happens in our lives when we sleep in altered states. In this episode, we speak with Mitch Schultz, who is a director of the new understanding science of psilocybin. He also uh, was a director in DMT, the spirit molecule. And we talked to him about his newest um, adventure through the directing From Shock to Awe, which is a documentary about PTSD veterans and their use of psychedelics, primarily ayahuasca, to help them overcome PTSD. From Shock to Awe is going to be released on November 12th to the public in about 20 different cities around the country. And we look forward to having people see that video and hopefully change their perspective of how they can help other veterans as well as veterans taking uh, part in some plant medicine to overcome their depression or PTSD. If you enjoyed this episode of Cosmic Echo and would like to learn more about From Shock to Awe, you can visit fromshocktoawe.com or you can visit our website at tailleaders.com backslash CE podcast. And there we have links available to Mitch Schultz's work as well as the documentary. And if you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so through our donation page located at the same website. Well, without further ado, let's get to the interview. Thanks for spending your time with uh, with me and the listeners. And could you give us a little bit of a um, background about who you are and how you got involved in um, this project? We're talking about um, from shock to awe. It's a documentary coming out in, uh, shortly um, about PTSD and uh, using psychedelics, primarily ayahuasca, to help people. So um, give us a little bit of background about what the video is about and yourself and your work. You bet. Well, the the film itself is about. Uh mainly focuses on two particular uh, military vets and kind of their struggle with their life as they come back to reintegrate from from war. And I've never been there, so I can only imagine how challenging that is. And you see that through this film and and going through the regular VA, taking their regular prescriptions, uh, things just were not working. And it wasn't just the families, but it it wasn't just the, the veterans, but it was also their families and how that impacted them as well. So we followed them, and the film took about four years to put together. Oh, wow. um, finished up earlier this year, and uh, now we're at the process of, of putting it out. And uh, my work is kind of cover a whole range of things, uh, directed DMT, the spirit molecule, and then came on to help these guys out with uh, From Shock to Awe. Neat, neat. Um, yeah. So it sounds like you've had a lot of experience in, in this field, um, you know, getting people together with, DMT, the spirit molecule, and then going to something like this is probably vast. It's probably similar, but also vastly different. Very similar, but also vastly different (laughs) to say the least. Um, What really excited me about this project was the two different worlds that were coming together. You have kind of the underground and and kind of counterculture with what I would say kind of almost middle America and and soldiers. And, And this was a very tangible way for people to start exploring how these medicines are working and helping people out. And to me, I was like, wow, this is, this is great. This is, this is what we need to be able to, cause nobody, everybody wants to help out soldiers and we don't, we, we can put all the political stuff aside. So let's take a look at the, at kind of the front lines, if you will, no pun intended to, to see how people are, are responding to these medicines and what sort of um, impact that it's having on their lives and their families for that matter. Hey, um, so, I mean, you, you said that you're, um, you're not a veteran, but, um, you probably have it, uh, talking to the veterans and stuff like that in the, in the film. Um, you've probably learned a lot from their experiences and, um, obviously veterans are inner culture. Um, what do you 
What did you learn as being like the primary driving mechanism um, behind this PTSD that that veterans have? What's your perception of that through the, your experience talking to them? Yeah, well, although I'm not a vet, I've also I have struggled with my own PTSD, and these are things that we still don't know a lot about in our mental health, um, and we and we're not really sure how to treat them. There's a lot of things that we can throw at them, um, but they don't end up getting kind of to the root of the problem uh, or the root of the issue. And particularly for these vets, when they come back and you have had a life that has been funneled down a direction that you, you learn how to kill. Um, and you do a lot of things that probably go against what your your normal human interaction would be like. Um, and that's a, it's, it's fast, it's furious, you're, you're on all the time. And then when you come back and you try to fit that into a normal life, can be very difficult um and the anxiety and the depression and even the fear that kind of comes around all that it gets can be triggered by the smallest little thing whether it's a lighter uh, which you can see in the film that one of the <clears throat> one of the veterans wives lights a lighter and that is enough to set somebody off mm. uh, where they feel like they're right back in a war zone uh, but not able to deal with that uh, and they have to remind themselves hey i'm here i'm in the united states everything's okay um, but this, this goes, and it, it has such an impact on our society beyond just the individuals. Uh, this thing starts to spread out. And what we've noticed, uh, the VA is not able to kind of deal with what is going on. Um, and so how can we help these people? Right. And we can help these people with these psychedelic medicines and treatment is a lot different with this because it doesn't fit into the Western kind of traditional scientific model. Um, but it's helping people. You see people go from, I don't want to live anymore to, wow, I'm okay. And I want to help people. And I, I love myself. It's a dramatic difference. And oh, definitely. We don't always have to put our finger on what that is exactly, but if it's helping people, then um, we should start figuring out some ways to make this available to people in a safe environment, in a safe environment. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so you, what are some of the ways that um, that you see the VA kind of trying to help people right now? Um, and how do you see that as kind of um, not really taking care of the, the inner problem in the, in the people? Well, there have been a lot of reports. I'm sure many people have seen uh, the lag time and the amount of uh, difficulty it is for people to go in and get help that they need. Um, sometimes people are waiting up to a year to go in and to deal with psychological issues uh, and post-traumatic stress. And I guess they're doing the best that they can with what they have. Um, and in our prescription filled world, uh, there's a lot of medications that they are prescribing, whether it be for anxiety, uh, opioids, uh, any other number of things, but they end up uh, causing a lot of other issues as well. Um, and it doesn't, doesn't again get to the root of the problem and it just kind of masks it up um, or it ends up taking them down a road that you know of addiction uh, which happens quite regularly with opioids so interesting yeah um well with the uh you know with the backlog and stuff like that uh, it, that's obviously a problem um yeah. and it seems like society today you know western society is kind of based off of this this concept of medicating somebody and that kind of treats the chemical uh, imbalances in people's brains like that leads to depression, things like that. 
but um you know a, a lot more goes into it with ptsd besides just depression like you you stated it's a it's a reaction to your environment um as well as like uh when veterans you know i'm a military veteran so um okay. i was i got out for medical issues um not related to ptsd but physical issues and one of the things that i noticed when i got out is a, a loss and disconnect between um that kind of culture and tribe mm -hmm. that you had while you're in um does that kind of apply to the experience of ptsd um a lot of these people are being discharged or they get out willingly and um i'm wondering if the loss of tribe that they generally had the support system they had while they're in dealing with their ptsd if that changed when they got out i think it does um you know with with our vets particularly they are in colorado springs which is uh, a large military population so i think there's still a lot of that military support uh, but ptsd and, and just being out of the military which is a family in a lot of ways for people um when you go home and you don't have that regular interaction, but I think that does play a role on, on how people are feeling connected um, and who they can reach out to. And I also found that it's, it's extremely difficult to talk about these, uh, you know, right off the bat, but who else do you talk about this stuff with beyond people that have gone through that? Because right. nobody else can quite understand the, the brevity and the, the, just the, the power, the emotion, the, you know, everything that comes along with that. And, and typically with people that have gone through that, it's a little bit easier conversation than just uh, anybody out there on a normal day-to-day -day basis. So yeah. um, I think having that community and that family is huge and plays a role. And when you're disconnected from that, I think that plays a role in it as well. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, when, when they, when these veterans started to look into alternative medicines, what kind of led them in that area? Like, is it generally a friend or they're, their individual research or they're just kind of desperate for anything that would work. There's a combination of that. <laughs> what, what had happened was, um, well, medical marijuana was kind of the, the gateway, if you will. Um, and that was really not to just wipe out or get rid of any of these things in a medical sense, uh, the PTSD, but really to kind of help with anxiety, um, pain, things like that. So the ayahuasca didn't come around or MDMA didn't come around until after they started to open up a little bit with medical marijuana. And again, these are, these are folks that have never tried any psychoactive drugs at all, yeah. except for maybe alcohol and tobacco prior to this. Um, and so making that leap is, it, it is, uh, it's a big one. And with all of the different things that we hear from society about what these things are, there's a, there's a lot of baggage that comes along with that. Um, but the marijuana started to help them open up, um, but it didn't didn't take it away. It didn't it didn't again get to the root of that problem. And so both of um, our vets were like, "Hey, we need something more beyond just this green kind of filter, if you yeah. will." And and so they said, "All right, we're up for it." And they were they were kind of at their their wits end. They're like, I, "I need something. I don't know what it is, but I need something because I'm still not there and I can't function." Um, so they, they went to a place called Soul Quest out mm, in, okay. in Florida to, to do that. And after that weekend, it, it, one thing to note, these are not magic pills and everything just kind of disappears once it's taken. There, there's a process, but you can go through um, a lot uh, within just a weekend or even just one night. 
but it's an ongoing process and the reintegration after coming back from something like that and then putting that back into your life so you can have a, a richer and, and kind of more connected life. It takes time and, and we're still trying to figure out how to do that, I think, as a society as well. How do we take these medicines uh, that have indigenous roots, uh, but also can help people out in the Western world and try to find a balance between these, these different worlds? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, can you, I mean, uh, I'm going to be sharing this with veterans that I know. So can you go through that process of, um, of why this, why, uh, psychedelics are so powerful for helping people with PTSD, um, and then bring it to the point where they, they're integrating the experience. And then, um, afterwards, like what, what is this process that's going to be taking place for the majority of people that choose to explore that way? Sure. Uh, well, particularly with, let's say, MDMA, um, there's there's something that goes on in that experience where people are able to kind of look, almost experience trauma at, from an outsider's perspective, uh, where they're not triggered and that it's you know emotionally charged, where they can almost step back. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, but it's not, again, not just about the experience um, of the MDMA. Yes, you want to go back in, you want to be able to kind of understand what that is, what sort of relationship you have with it, what kind of patterns it's put into your life, uh, what kind of fear, what kind of, um, again, the emotions just, they're endless around that. Uh, so there's also therapy during that time, but then also afterwards to kind of help with the reintegration process. And being able to kind of at first experience that trauma again from an outsider's perspective um, and not be right in the middle of it gives you a sense of, okay, I'm okay. I'm safe. Um, I'm not, you know, nothing's going on here, but I, but I can say that this is my trauma. This is what I'm going through. Um, and then again, when you're outside of that experience or outside of that therapy session with the actual medicine, being able to start talking and understanding that relationship to that trauma back into your daily life, um, whether that's how you're talking to a loved one or a, a child or, any of these things so it, it, there's a there's a process that has to unfold and again it's not a you know quick overnight kind of thing at the same time people are seeing a lot a lot of um, help and assistance just from sometimes one session but uh, many times but it isn't a, a continued thing that uh, that happens with medicine and also with therapy sessions uh, coinciding with that so i mean um is this you know a lot of people don't know what mdma is or um what ayahuasca is is this like some type of sure. pill or is this like uh something you go to the doctor for you know and get prescribed <laughs> anything like that yeah. well mdma uh so commonly known as ecstasy um and it was originally used started being used anyway for treatments of um <clears throat> within therapy so there was a history of that so with that you will take a pill typically um and comes on within an hour 30 minutes to an hour and then it lasts for roughly three to four hours depending on the session and if you take a booster they call it so that would be taking a little bit more um they don't you you're always led in these sessions you don't take the pill and go home or just do it by yourself or anything like that there's typically a male and a female in a lot of these sessions in case there's anything that comes up that makes it more uh, comfortable for the, the person that's going through that to deal with 
Uh, the ayahuasca is a little bit different. Um, this is indigenous plant medicine from South America, and there's a lot of different plants. Well, not a lot. There, ayahuasca, the vine itself, is mixed with another plant that, that provides the visionary aspect, but there are different plants that can be used with that. So this is usually kind of brewed down into a tea, and the dosage is not the same that you would get, again, in our, in our Western medical model, where this is, you know, 100 milligrams that you're taking for this particular thing um, and each practitioner is different some say take a little bit more it depends on the plants at the time that they were harvested all of these different things so the ayahuasca is a, is a little bit different it has a little bit uh, more complexity to it in some ways because of the plants and uh, the different approaches to it but the mdma is a pill that you do take and something that you would be able to uh take with a practitioner all of these things should be experienced with somebody that knows what they're doing um, and i encourage people that, that they're looking into something like this or going down this route to to really research uh everything out there that they can find there's uh, an organization called maps the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic <laughs> studies i always that have to pause one, for yeah. a second to say that um, they're one of our they're one of our partners and they've been doing the research with mdma they have a wonderful website with plenty of information. So, you know, I encourage people to check that out and, and get started with looking at some of that information and how they use their protocol. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's not a MDMA is not fully legal um, to be used just uh, in any situation um, out there, right? Yeah. Now, there there's some good signs that are coming up. Uh, MAPS now is starting their third phase trials um, in, with approval from the DEA and the FDA. They have been given kind of a fast track, if you will, and they're saying by 2021 or 2022 that this medicine will be available for people to go in and go through this process uh, with MDMA that, for people that have PTSD potentially psilocybin which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms um for end of life issues oh wow so it's, 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 it's moving quick yeah it is <laughs> it, it, um you know even when we released dmt the spirit molecule back in 2011 these kind of conversations you know weren't have happening as much and then all of a sudden it's like wow eight years later here we are uh the dea and the fda are very aware of this and there are trials that are happening and as long as people are going through kind of the protocols that have been set up, there's there's a lot of benefits, and um, you know, I, I really feel strongly that society can change and benefit a lot from what what's going to happen. That's great, man. So, yeah. I mean, um, with the situation with MDMA and you and the therapy that you go through versus like ayahuasca session, are they are they different? Are they same? Um, you know, the context. They are different. Okay. Yeah, if you can imagine. Um, the main thing is that this is kind of an internal journey, um, but you have people around you there to support you. So in the MDMA sessions, for instance, it probably looks a little more clinical, but people are typically in a very comfortable environment. They're laying down. They would have headphones on where they're just being guided by music and letting things kind of unfold. Uh, the therapists are in the room at the time. So if anything comes up during that time, then they can talk to them. Uh, so there's a little bit more interaction with that. Mm. Now, with an ayahuasca session, typically uh, <clears throat> people drink. There's a larger group uh, for the most part, and people are still there to help people, but there there isn't really a, a talking going on uh, during that session. So 
again, it's an internal journey. You go through your, your stuff and uh, if you need help, the people are there to, to help you with that. But the therapy aspect uh, doesn't play out the same way, I don't think, as MDMA would, for instance. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so through the experience, um, what specifically is happening? Like um, you, you kind of mentioned this journey, this internal journey to realize an, an additional way of thinking about um, maybe the issues at hand or underlying issues that are causing the, the stress or the trauma and the PTSD to come up. But um, from your perspective, what what is really taking place um, both neurologically maybe and on, and then on the more psychological way? Sure, sure. Well, it, it's hard to kind of get into this part <laughs> here. I, I'm not a, a neuroscientist by any means. Um, I have had these experiences, so I can ex- at least speak from that perspective and, and benefited from them. There's a variety of things that can happen. Um, with MDMA, for instance, and that's pretty different because they're different compounds compared to the ayahuasca. Um, MDMA, again, is more of this uh, ability to experience the trauma or anything in your life if you're just kind of getting pictures and, and mental thoughts and, and memories kind of flooding back into your into your mind when you're going through this process. But there's a, a can be a, a disconnect with the emotional parts um so you can kind of step back again and look at it from an outsider's perspective and you can start to see or these are experienced in many different ways but see the connections between a trauma um, or something that's happened to an individual and how that trauma maybe gets registered in the body and also in the psychology and what that does to behavior your emotional sense and, and many times when these things happen we're not even aware that they're impacting us they're kind of an underlying thing that is just programming it's just going on and you're just going about life and you're responding to everything that's happening but you're not even aware that that is why you are doing what you're doing um, so with these medicines you can start to see those patterns you can start to understand well this trauma happened and because of that i do x y and z um, and when you start to have broader awareness of that you can start to be aware when that stuff starts to boil up um, or what the triggers are and, and then how you know, you're going to respond to them when you have the awareness of it as opposed to just letting it run as a kind of a background code, basically. Um, the ayahuasca, uh, with those experiences, they can be quite visionary. Uh, DMT is the active ingredient or dimethyltryptamine with the ayahuasca vine. Uh, these can be colors they can be patterns you can see full-on visions of life experiences or even things that are not part of our normal day-to-day reality um, but somehow some way they are tied into who we are um, as an individual but also who you are as an individual in the universe uh, it makes it makes sense that you're seeing this even though it may seem very weird and, and out there um, there's some sort of internal mechanism saying yep yep i know this or this is okay, or uh, there's a connection between what you've experienced. And there seems to be kind of a leading almost, particularly with ayahuasca, there seems to be a plant intelligence that's, that's helping this process unfold. Mm. Um, and I know that might sound a little out there and a little unusual for people to say plant intelligence, but <clears throat> if I could just throw out there that plants have been evolving a lot longer than we have, and their mode of... Um, interaction or communication with us is, is a chemical process. Uh, it's a chemical process with how they interact with us, not just psychoactively with 
psychedelics, but with food and with smells and all these other number of things that, that plants produce to get reactions or interact with us. So a lot more visionary, I guess, in the, in the DMT state itself, um, but still, again, has this ability to kind of lead you on a path to show you what's happening in your life, what has happened in your life, and uh, how you might be able to change that. Um, and kind of come to terms and also be okay with what's happened too. Well, I mean, uh, I'm sure with your experience with DMT and as long as you've been in the community um, researching DMT and um, possibly using DMT and things like that, you've probably run into um, a lot of culture interaction with ayahuasca and kind of the that culture that surrounds that um, plant yeah. um, or that drink. So, um, a lot of people that probably will go research ayahuasca and figure out, you know, if they have PTSD, will figure out pretty quickly that there's this weird culture, not weird, but long historical <laughs> culture that surrounds this with shamanism, things like that, which, you know, some yeah. people would be um, a little bit scared of, you know, um, sure. and most of the time people would have to go to South America to experience this and run into like um, shamans there and different groups and things like that. And a lot of, uh, mysticism follows that and all kinds of stuff. So I'm wondering, um, from your perspective, what is the, you know, um, if somebody is like, I want to do this the right way, you know, um, right, right. what is the, the way that you would kind of, um, maybe guide people into, um, seeing a way to use this plant in a, in a constructive way that would help them the most? Yeah, it's um, because there's been such an influx of Westerners going down to Peru um, in a third world country where cash is everything. Um, there are a lot of um, charlatans, if you will, that are that are jumping out there. So it's important to do the research. And I would encourage people to look at places. If they're going to go down to South America to participate in something like this, I would um, go online and read about people's accounts, um, what the location was like, what the practitioner was like. Um, maybe if you could even talk to people that have been to certain places there, it's a bit of a stretch for the Western mind to go into, um, shamanic worlds that are very animistic and, and it doesn't necessarily fit with the paradigm that Westerners have. So what's starting to happen is that there are a lot of people that have been traveling down there and, and learning from a lot of the shamans and, uh, Corderos and bringing back kind of a modified version of what they're doing in South America and kind of modifying that into a Western scope, um, still holding some of that tradition, holding the ceremony aspect, but making a little bit more Western. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of the, uh, ceremonies and things happening in the United States. Uh, there are a couple groups that are legally allowed to do this. Uh, the Santo Daime and the UDV, or the Une de Vegetal. So these are groups that have started off with kind of indigenous models and, and practices, but also incorporate Catholicism. So there's Christianity put together mm -hmm. with this thing. So it's a slightly different approach um, than traditional shamanism, but they're still using the medicines to as a sacrament, essentially. So there's a whole range and a whole kind of dial or spectrum, if you will, that people can go to, and it could be full on, you know, South American shamanism or kind of a Western model that's uh, been influenced by that. Um, there 
it's important again to do your research because there are some things that are happening in South America that I would not encourage people to go be part of people being taken advantage of money all sorts of things or even people that don't really know that space and if they're just offering ayahuasca to people and it's not the safest thing when you have people that are already traumatized when you're giving medicines like that you want to make sure that you have a safe container and a safe uh set and setting right uh, to be able to take people to go through this process um so you know, there's a lot of information out there. People should research as much as they can. Talk to people that have gone through this process. You can find some information on our website from shaktaa.com that has some of the, the researchers and even some of the people that have gone through this process. Um, and then there's tons of different areas out there. Arrowwood is another very great site, arrowwood.org. And see if I can spell this right, E-R-O-W-I-D.org. And it's it's a great resource because they cover all different types of uh, drugs, psychoactive psychedelics, and talk about what the experiences are, um, what you should expect, how much you should take. Um, and you can find also reports from people that have gone and participated in this, and so you can get a better sense of what's happening and where and again where to go. That makes sense, man. Um, with your personal experience through PTSD. Um, you know, you mentioned that you're not a veteran, but you, you, everyone kind of has some form of PTSD and some more than others. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> how, I mean, obviously you got led into exploring ayahuasca and DMT somehow, um, through your first documentary. Um, how, how has it changed your life and how did you get, how did you get involved in that? Yeah. Um, well, I guess, with DMT, for instance, I had my first experience in 2002 and completely shattered everything I knew about reality, <laughs> to, to put it lightly. And I know that sounds a little bit much, but what for those that are unaware, it's about a 10-minute experience uh, when, you, when you vaporize DMT. And it happens extremely quick. And when you have something that comes on within seconds and Again, I'm just going to run through a few of these things, but people talk about out-of-body experiences or leaving their body, traveling to other locations, communicating with entities, aliens, angels, any number of different beings, uh, full-on mystical experiences, and then cramming that into 10 minutes <laughs> um, is, is, is really amazing. Um, so... The first time I tried that, I was living a pretty fast and furious life in New York, going to grad school, doing my thing. I thought I, you know, thought I knew a lot, <laughs> and uh, this experience uh, presented itself, and I had the opportunity to do it. And within again ten minutes of on that experience coming back, it uh, I didn't want to touch it again for you know, until I knew more about it. Wow! And it took me almost four years uh, from that first experience to even go back and try that again because. I, I just died. <laughs> I just saw what the universe is, my place in it. And I know this is going to sound a little crazy to a lot of listeners. Um, and then came back and within 10 minutes, your, your entire um, framework for reality has to be modified uh, because everything that you know previously doesn't make any sense. Um, but what, that, what I noticed more, most was how I was interacting. Uh, because everything, at least my experience at that time, and people report this, is that everything is connected. You've heard this a million times, and there's that whole kind of new age saying. But when you experience that firsthand, that everything that you do is going to impact not only yourself, but everyone else and everything else. 
So I noticed it in little things, uh, whether it was smiling at somebody, uh, opening the door for somebody, um, causing my, pausing myself to say, hey, don't react that way, Mitch, uh, to a particular thing um, or an event. And it was those little things that just started to kind of change in my life. And they didn't seem drastic, although my mind was drastically changed. Um, it was these little pieces that, that, that started to uh, make my life richer and, mm. and, uh, and help others, I think. I, I would hope anyways. Um, just sometimes a little thing of opening a door or even smiling at somebody what that could do for somebody else and then kind of rippling out into their day or into their week or into their life. Um, if we could do little things like that all the time and each one of us tried to do that, wow, imagine all the ripples in the pond all of a sudden that have this nice vibration to it. Uh, we might be living in a quite different world. Uh, so it was, it was kind of these small things. And then, you know, over time, those things add up and then you find yourself 10 years later saying, wow, uh, I'm a different person. I, I'm not as e easily angered or um, I don't lash out uh, as much. I'm not feeling the same fear or you know, kind of unwant or anything like that. It's just that uh, things got a little bit easier. And, and knowing that, uh, <clears throat> at least for me, my, my takeaway from not just that first experience but others is that there is no death. Um, and there is something much deeper and broader than, than what we experience on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, you don't even have to label that as heaven or have any sort of kind of a religious affiliation with that. It simply is. And uh, it's hard to explain that to people that have not gone through that process. And I know sometimes it <laughs> sounds a little strange. Uh, but these are the kind of things that, uh, that, that play out uh, from the experiences and then afterwards. Interesting, man. Um, so with your with PTSD, um, um, a lot of medications, you know, that are, um, anti-psychosis or antidepressants, things like that are medications that people get for PTSD, depression, things like that. Um, they kind of die down the brain. They kind of sedate the, the, the mind to the point that maybe it starts kind of forgetting some of the experiences or mellows people out, um, with, your DMT experience is this is this causing you to forget the experience or is the the trauma still there? It's just you're seeing it in a different light. Yeah, you know, it, it, I should probably clarify a little bit. DMT because of its fast acting nature and how quick everything is. <clears throat> excuse me again. This is not probably the best way to go about treating okay. trauma. I think ayahuasca and MDMA are. Uh, why, why is that, I guess? DMT is the active ingredient in that. But when it's when you're shot out of a cannon, which a lot of people will describe the DMT experience by itself as being shot out of a cannon, you don't have a whole lot of time to understand what's happening, right? You're almost just there to witness, and you're doing your best just to hold on and witness the best you can. Uh, but there's no narrative that can kind of come out of that. There's no time to reflect on what's happening in relation to the trauma. So with ayahuasca, that, that journey is kind of spread out over a four-hour period or six-hour period. Um, and it's, it's not as intense. So you get some time to kind of work with it, understand, ask questions, um, and, and again, kind of develop a new narrative around what you've experienced. Um, a lot of times when you're just doing the DMT, you come back and you're like, 
oh crap, what just happened? And, yeah. and why am I here? What it was amazing, but what was that? Um, and so probably not the best modality for for treating trauma. Um, in MDMA, it's you don't have the, the big visionary aspects that you would with with DMT or even ayahuasca and sons, but it's more of this emotional kind of uh, separateness. Okay. You know, you're still very much there. It's still very present and all about what's happening. Um, it's a lot easier to go through that trauma and, and understand it differently. That makes sense. Um, with your experience, though, um, sounds like you've had healing processes that have taken place throughout your life with um, your psychedelic experiences. Um, was that more with like ayahuasca later on after the DMT experience, or would you say that the DMT experience itself also um, started making changes in your life to deal with uh, your PTSD? Yeah, I think um, overall the DMT has had an impact on that, but I, I feel like the, the most I've gotten out of this is definitely from the ayahuasca. And mm. it's not just the medicine itself, it's also the intention and the practice that you're going into, right? So you're going in typically with other people. Uh, people are there to learn about themselves uh, for self development. So you have people there that are you know, watching after you and taking care of you. And so there's a little bit more care and effort into that. And so I think that sets up, um, <clears throat> again, more of a reflective nature of the experience as opposed to just going in and trying to blast off and, and, and kind of get off, if you will. Um, and it's, it's been the ayahuasca experiences, I think, for myself and that practice that has not just with my trauma, but just shown me things about myself that I was never aware of. Uh, that we just we just kind of go through our day to day life and understanding yourself. Um, sometimes at these levels, you're just like, "Wow, I did that! Uh, I, wow, that's how I used to talk, or uh, um, that was part of my normal thing." And you kind of want to kick yourself, um, but there's something to the fact that you now have an awareness of, okay, that's how people are perceiving my interactions or whatever, and so you can start to alter them. But having awareness of that. Um, and there's also this body aspect of the plant medicine when it's not just the psychological, but something about the plant medicine is going in and, and kind of cleaning, reorganizing, defragging your hard drive, if mm. you will. I like to use that kind of analogy a lot, but it kind of just gets everything back in place a little bit. You feel like your body can move a little differently and uh, things are a little clearer. The energy is a little, flows a little bit better. You're even thinking better. Um, so, you know, I think the practice of that and also the extendedness and being able to think about what, not just think, but lay out your intentions. What am I, what am I doing? Why do I want to do this? What do I need to change? What do I want to learn about myself in the world? Um, and so, again, just instead of going and doing the 10-minute experience where it's just a blast off and then you're back, um, I think those things can, can play out a lot differently and, and really, really get to the core of some issues for people. Makes sense, man. Um, so you talked about some of the changes that take place in people, and I, I read the synopsis of the, the, the movie. Um, it talks about how these veterans, they came back from this experience so changed. They, they're almost different people in a way. Um, and their family kind of reacted to that um, in some, you know, they didn't know what was what took place kind of, you know. Um, and your personal experience, you you remarked on this this traumatic change and, you know, 10 minute, 30 minute experience that you had um, that lasted for the rest of your life. So um, 
what what is uh, that change that's so dramatic that um, it's hard to relate to people? And what are some ways that people can um, kind of reintegrate with their society and and teach people um, about their experience? Yeah, it's um, first off, I think explaining the experiences and what you experience under the effects or from the effects of the medicine. Unless you've gone through that, again, a lot of times this stuff is not going to make a whole lot of sense. It's going to sound uh, kind of fantastical and over the top. And like, yeah, you saw aliens? Good. Okay, <laughs> good, good. Um, you saw angels or beings. But uh, it's, it is the little things, I guess, afterwards. Um, sometimes when people go through the experience and they kind of go back into family or friends or, or work, um, they want to like tell the world. They want to share what they've experienced and, and share the light. Um, sometimes that can sound a little zealous and it can be a little over the top, I think, for some people. And one of the, uh, the veterans' wives was feeling that when he came back. Um, she was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, yeah. I don't know who this person is and why are you all in me and tell me I have to do this? And so to explain the experience to somebody who hasn't done it, it's, it's difficult. But the little things about integrating back into life um, it's, it's the small things that I think that kind of make us human that they start to resonate differently. Um, it's, you know, how we take the time to talk to a loved one or how we understand what is beyond this, you know, earthly existence. Um, and being healthy as an individual, but then again, how that resonates out to family, work, friends, all the above. Um, and the integration part is big. It's, it's something that uh, once you go through these experiences, you've had this expanded consciousness, how do you take that and put it back in? And there's, there's no set thing, uh, but there are people out there that are starting to kind of work with people and, and try to kind of put those into some sort of a framework that makes sense in, in your day-to-day life. Um, and I guess getting back to what I was saying earlier, when you have that experience under the medicine that everything is connected, and when I say everything is connected, literally everything is connected. How do you how do you take something like that that experience and, and try to understand that in your day to day life? And what what kind of impact does that have um, in your day to day life? Whether that's with just you or everybody else around you mm-hmm. in the environment. So yeah, I'm I'm wondering like uh, <laughs> a lot of people you know come from religious backgrounds and they're part of a religious community as well. So um, when they uh, a lot of religious groups are against using some type of psychedelic or mind altering substance that they consider a drug, you know, kind of driven by the sixties, I think as well. Um, how, how can people, um, see these experiences as different than just taking a drug and, um, kind of talk to their, you know, their religious groups, you know, their churches or whatever, and, um, and express that this is a, you know, a form of medication versus like, a you know, having a trip or something like that. Absolutely. Um, well, I, first of all, I grew up in a very conservative Christian family, uh, so I understand that mentality. Um, first off, I would say that psychedelics and psychoactive plants have been a part of human history for millennia. And potentially, and there's a lot of evidence for this, that even the early religions, as they were forming and potentially even developed, were because of psychoactive medicines. Um, these, and I know that may sound a little nuts for some people, but you can see um, psychoactive mushrooms in Christian iconography that goes way back, uh, hundreds of years. Um, 
And so there is awareness of that, especially even in the Middle East. DMT is uh, found in acacia. Acacia is one of the highest containing DMT plants, and it's all over the Middle East, um, plus Syrian rue, which is similar to ayahuasca, and being able to have that, that combination there. So I guess what I'm saying is that humans have had this as part of their practice for a long time. It was not always looked, the most recently, I think it's been looked at as, oh, it's just counterculture, it's just, you know, getting high and things like that. But prior to that, and even into shamanism, these were these were ways to commune with God, um, to commune with the, the universe, the, the greater sense of being. Um, and that's what I'm seeing now, as opposed to, to what I've read about in the 60s and the 70s, is that there's a different approach to how people are going about um, learning and then also taking these psychedelics. It's not necessarily a big party atmosphere um, all the time. In fact, the most times I think it's about learning about yourself and, and healing, which is a lot different than when Timothy Leary was saying, well, everybody should just drop out and take some LSD and everything's going to be good. Yeah. I don't think that's the best approach. I don't think this is for everybody. Um, I think there's a calling that actually comes to people and they'll know when the time is right. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll start to seek it out. They'll get that. Um, the other thing is, as far as I think that God, however you want to understand that, uh, that greater being has put plants that have these psychoactive capabilities, they've been co-evolving with us for thousands of years. Um, and we've been wired to have those experiences. I don't think that's happen chance. I think yeah. that that is, that there's, there's reason for that. and. Um, and so again, it's been part of our history. So don't discount it just because the dogma says you should. <laughs> um, and that there are other ways to start looking at these that can still have a spiritual context to them. Um, and that's, and I guess that's what it comes down to is it's set and setting. And when I said that earlier, set and setting is who you're with, um, where you are personally, what your intentions are, and kind of just the general flow. And if you go into an environment and say, I'm going to a party and I'm going to go listen to some music and take some drugs, well, yeah, that may not be that beneficial. But if you're getting together with a group of friends and people that have been practicing this and you want to learn more about yourself and heal, then you're going to have a much different experience. Um, and and that people are seeing it left and right uh, from people that are religious, people that aren't, that are going through these experiences. You can't always put your finger on exactly what it is but they're coming back different. They're coming back changed. They're coming back better. They want to share. They want to help others. They want to uh, help their family. It's it's amazing to see, you know, even in the film, um, as when people watch it, that first weekend when these vets went through that experience, you know, soldiers are shown. They weren't really, you know, comfortable. They didn't want to make eye contact. The end of the weekend, man, they're smiling, they're bubbling, <laughs> they're hugging. It was, it was just, it's, it blows me away within that short amount of time that you can go through that. Uh, and that's the response that, that you can get. So That's great, man. Um, so I guess, what is your um, perception of the, the future um, with these, what's your hopes, I guess, with these, uh, these medicines in the future for, you know, the Western society and generally the world now, I guess, since we kind of imply these yeah. laws against it all over the planet so right well you know, I'm, I'm very hopeful and excited that um 2021 2022 it's not that far away <laughs> um and there is somewhat of a fast track happening with mdma and, and hopefully psilocybin 
that people that need these medicines and can get access to them um, will be able to do that. And this, again, isn't something that you go in and get a prescription and go to your pharmacy and something you go and take home. These are, these are going to work with uh, trained professionals to do this. I think what starts to happen, because we, you said it earlier, there's so much trauma in our society. It's not just the vets, but it's, it's all over. And I think all of us have different varying degrees of, of trauma. Um, if you can imagine all the energy and the things that go into dealing with that, <clears throat> the anxiety, should I get up? Do I want to go to work? Do I want to go to a party? Do I want to eat something that's healthy for me? Or am I angry? These things start to soften and smooth themselves out. And the complexity that, that impacts on the systems um, our healthcare system, our political system, our economic system, all of these things, I think, benefit from people being healthier and, and more in tune with who they are. Uh, and I think that these things would have a, uh, an amazing, amazing impact on this on this world. And, and, and you know, if we want to focus just on this country, but uh, there's there's a lot that goes beyond just healing an individual and how that actually, again, resonates out into their lives and in every aspect of their lives and become part of a society that they want to go participate in as opposed to withdraw from. That's great, man. That's a, that's a great hope for the future. Um, uh, I'll keep that hope alive. Yeah, yeah. Man. With, this, yeah. um, with this video or this documentary, what, what's your kind of, what is the drive of the group? What is the hope with the group of making this? Obviously, um, the veterans themselves are kind of taking a step um, out of their bounds. They're being courageous for being in, featured in this because um, the community may that. be very um, oppressive towards that or, um, you know, so what is the what is the hope of the group? What is the hope of these veterans with bringing out this documentary? Well, yeah, first off, I'd like to just thank those veterans and their families for opening themselves up because they shared some very intimate, personal things that many of us would never want to put on camera and have seen by thousands of people. But from their perspective, it's like, look, I, I was at my wit's end. I needed something. Um, otherwise, I wasn't going to make it. When I say make it, I mean live. Um, they decided to go through that process, first off, I think, to help themselves and, and try to survive. But then looking back now, they're saying, wow, I can help other people. And I want to help my fellow soldiers that have gone through this stuff and that have experienced this trauma and, again, resonates out beyond just soldiers. Um, we want to save lives. There are too many people that are struggling unnecessarily when we have medicines that can actually treat them and help them, but we, you know, put them into this one category over here and we say that you're going to lose your mind and do all these things. There, there should be caution with these. I will not, I will say that at the same time, uh, we think that we can put out information that can educate people and also touch people that are sitting there struggling that they don't know where to go. They don't, they don't have a place to turn. Um, and so just showing them that there is a possibility of getting some help and getting some uh, some assistance from these, uh, we, we would like to, to help those folks out uh, because a lot of the information out there, at least in the past on psychedelics, has not been 100% true. Uh, in fact, most of it has been propaganda and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all, but all of the medical and the scientific research that we're seeing now, these things are nothing at all as they've been proceed uh, as they've been pitched uh, and if we can help people out and save lives 
as opposed to people turning, taking their own lives. Even if we save one more life, that, that, that makes this project worth it. Uh, but I think we can save a lot more. We can help a lot of other people that are going through this. So Definitely. that's why they're doing it. And that's why, you know, we make this film and that's why I got involved to, to help these guys out with this. So. That's great, man. Um, yeah, I showed the, the, um, uh, trailer to a, a veteran friend of mine that has PTSD, severe PTSD, and he's never even considered, um, any type of psychedelic. I don't think in the past besides maybe some marijuana. Um, and sure. he was just blown away by just that. He was like, I want to see this. So what are cool. some ways that people <laughs> can see, um, this and, and reach out to you guys and, uh, visit your website, stuff like that? Yeah. So right off the bat, uh, November 12th, um, it's the day after veterans day. We're calling it coming home beyond veterans day, because this is not just about celebrating one day. We have people that are going through this process at all times. So November 12th, we're screening in potentially 25 cities around the country. Uh, you can go find out which cities at from shock to awe.com slash watch. Um, and you can go on it's, these screenings will be taking place in theaters around the country. This will be our kind of initial launch, and we're trying to get as many veterans there and as many uh, family members of veterans there uh, to go see this film. And then from there, we're hoping that this grassroots kind of approach, you know, people will host other film screenings in their city. Or if there wasn't one in your town, then you could go on to this platform called Tug that we partnered up with to host your own screening and invite your friends, invite your family, invite veterans. And early in the new year, we'll be putting this thing out uh, on the digital platform, iTunes and hopefully Netflix and others like that. Uh, so it won't just be in a theatrical release, but um, November 12th, that's where we're get everybody there and uh, come check it out. And uh, if you can't make that, then please check out the website and it will be fully launched in the new year. Okay, great, man. Um, what are some things that you're currently working on in the future? I know you're, you've been super <laughs> involved with this community, like the DMT spirit molecule is huge. Um, so I'm, and I haven't heard of anything uh, since then, kind of what you've been working on. So what are, what are some things that you're yeah. working on in the future after this documentary? Yeah, my, uh, my experience with that film, the DMT, the spirit molecule, got me really interested in consciousness in general uh, and how we perceive the world. I think a lot of times we're, we're eager to point fingers and you know, there's this political thing or this here, or you know, we've got, got to pay bills. Consciousness is this thing that, that makes all of that happen and that's how we're perceiving this but we tend to throw that out and not even talk about it because we don't understand it we don't understand what it is so i've been looking at uh, some research that was started back in the 50s by a man named claire w graves uh, where he was look he was teaching human development at the time in upstate new york and started doing his own research into what happens at, as human life you know how we change and what core process and, and different kind of uh, states do we go through and he started to see patterns developing uh in his research on a human on, on an individual level but that also correlated out to the species and there was a book that came out by two of his research uh, assistants called spiral dynamics and a lot of people know the research because of that but the original research uh, was never published academically so many people don't know mm -hmm. about it um, so I've been looking at the original research and what all that means. Um, I'm fascinated by it. It, uh, it makes a lot of sense to me uh, that there are these kind of repeating patterns in the way the human consciousness or the human mind works. And it's really bu built off complexity. The more mm -hmm. complexity an individual has in their life, uh, you're going to have to deal with more issues. And so the human mind will adapt to that. And that means 
from the time you're born being an infant and there's you know it's just about eating and sleeping and getting what you need um, and, and growing into an adult and what all that means but as complexity continues to grow uh, so will the human mind and so I'm looking at that and we have several nice. projects that are, that are part of, of what we want to put out so I'll, I'll leave it at that because we're, cool. we're not quite there but we're very <laughs> excited about what's to come and and hopefully tell a bigger story uh, about consciousness and, and hopefully the, the world that we live in Neat, man. Well, I'm excited to hopefully uh, hear more about that in the near future. Um, well, thanks for everything you're doing, man. Um, you know, as a veteran, I really appreciate it because um, it would yeah. be a video that I can show my friends and the people I know that suffer with PTSD and explain it in a visual format versus, you know, just me talking about my crazy experiences and how it those right. seeing aliens and things like that have healed me <laughs> over time somehow. So, you know, this will be something that's a little bit more grounded than me sputtering nonsense and um, give some people some real hope. Um, you know, I, I have uh, family members also that have PTSD and um, showing them this video would probably um, change their life, you know, and hopefully I, I can do that and hopefully they can make the decision to choose to help themselves with this if possible. So it's great work, man. It's it's really important stuff that you're doing here, and I appreciate it. So Thank thanks for Thank doing that. And thanks for spending your time today with uh, me and the listeners um, and the viewers Absolutely. on this Thanks podcast. for having me on. I appreciate it, and I uh, hope that everybody can make it out and check out the film. Great, man. This has been another episode of Cosmic Echo. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about from Shock to Awe, the documentary, you can visit our website at tailleaders.com backslash CE podcast. Additionally, you can go to their website directly from shock to Also, if you'd like to learn more about uh, Mitch Schultz and his work, you can visit our website again at tailleaders.com backslash CE podcast, and we'll have links available for you there. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so through our donation page located at the same website. We look forward to bringing you additional episodes in the near future, but until then, happy dreaming.